we allow the kingdom to work in us so that it can work through us, Father. It's your will. It's your will. It's your agenda. It's your initiative. Father, we're here to do your work, the work of the kingdom. Father, I thank you that you have empowered us. You've equipped us, given us every resource, every ability, and every opportunity to fulfill the will of God in and through our lives. Father, I thank you that we will be light in darkness. We'll be salt in the earth. Father, I thank you that we will see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We give you glory and praise for this. And I thank you now, Father, as we uh, take this time to receive your word. Father, I thank you that our eyes and our ears, spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, are open to receive the word. I thank you, Father, that it will be sown into good soil. And it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it is sent to do. Father, I give you praise today that every life that is in here, every person under the sound of my voice, will leave differently than the way that they came in. We renew our minds to our word. We repent to what you have to say today. We change our thinking. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Give myself away. Give myself away. Hallelujah. Thank God. It's amazing what God can do with us when we get rid of ourselves. Amen. And um, I hope that that's your heart's cry this morning. Hallelujah. It's great to be with you in the house of God on this Sunday morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to Genesis chapter three, if you will. Genesis chapter three. Amen. It's been an amazing start to the year, and here we are. Believe it or not, we're already in March. Maybe you're not as surprised as I am, but January and February, I don't know what happened to January and February. Um, I don't even remember what happened. It's been that quick. Man, this is a good group over here. Y'all pick. This is the amen corner. My goodness, I look up and I see a bunch of gray out here. It's like it's slowly dissipates as we move this way but that's all right that's all right as long as you can hear me that's good hallelujah genesis chapter three we are uh began diving into a subject last week of discernment um and you'll just have to excuse me for the next uh you know next couple weeks or so we've actually got a guest minister in next weekend i'm very excited to have uh reverend tony mckinnon in um, he is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, currently, uh, but he's actually from this area, South Georgia. Um, so it's an honor to bring him in. I believe that he's going to be a blessing to you. So make sure you don't miss it next week. Um, my wife and I will be here, and we're excited to have them with us. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. But uh, as we are in the middle of this teaching, um, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing is teaching. It's not going to be so much preaching and uh, you know, revving the engines and getting you running. It's going to be a lot more thinking. Amen. It's going to be a lot more uh, embracing the word that's coming in. And I really want you to take uh, heart to that. Um, it's good to have preaching. It's good to have those messages that just fire us up and, and get us shouting and get us excited. Um, but these are the kind of messages that really change us and really bring fruit to our lives. It's seed going into what I hope is this morning, good soil, good ground, and um, pray that it'll produce much fruit in your life. But we began looking at this subject of discernment last week. We began here in Genesis chapter 3, and verse 1 tells us right out the gate, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. That word cunning simply means tricky. Um, if you look it up, it means uh, subtle. It means deceptive. It means tricky. It even means this word, sly. Sly. So the, the devil's coming in, and, uh, you know, although we look at the remaining passage here, many of us know the passage of when Eve was tempted by the snake, um, and it seems very brash, and it seems very, uh, hey, this is what God said, and I want you to do the exact opposite. But that wasn't his position. His position was tricky. His position was sly and his position was deceptive in how he approached Eve. 
And that's important uh, because a lot of us, if we were to grade ourselves, last week I had us uh, do a little inward grading of yourselves, scale 1 to 10, how well do you think you are good at determining good from evil? And most of us, I think, would put ourselves pretty high up on a scale. I know I would. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine if you showed me good and then you showed me something evil, I could determine the difference between the two. But when we jump down to verse uh, verse 6, after Eve and this serpent, the devil, is having this conversation, in verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, everyone say good, when, it, when she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, everyone say pleasant, and when she saw that it was desirable to make one wise, everyone say desirable, good, pleasant, and desirable, from a tree that was producing uh, what we could initially call bad fruit. Bad fruit. Why? Not because of what it looked like, but because of what it would produce in your life. Not because of its outer resemblance, but because of what it contained on the inside of it. Because of what it would produce in our lives if we took of its fruit and ate. So this issue of discernment, this issue of determining good from evil, even though on the outside we think, oh, yeah, I could easily discern. Discerning means to divide. Uh, it means to determine. It even means this. It means to discriminate. Is literally what the word discern means. But yet it wasn't the evil of the fruit that Eve was attracted to. It was the good. It was the pleasant. It was the desirable. On the outside, it looked just like all the rest of the fruit in the garden. By which God said, you can eat of those trees. So apparently we need an ability as believers in these last days to determine good from evil, not based upon what it reveals on the outside, but based upon what it produces on the inside. Apparently there is a need, there's a need to go beneath the surface. Now, why was this tree evil in the first place? It was evil because God said, do not eat of it. See, what God forbids does not have a blessing attached to it. If it's forbidden by God, regardless of what it looks like on the outside, regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what we think it might even produce in our lives. Because let me ask you this. When Eve ate of the fruit, did her knowledge not open up? Did her knowledge not expand? And did she now understand good from evil? Absolutely she did. It produced even the very thing that the devil said it would produce. So this makes it a little trickier. This makes it a little harder to discern. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. Just because it starts out like it all starts out. Just because it looks good from the beginning doesn't mean that it will be good in the end doesn't mean that it will produce the same result as the thing that God has allowed us to partake of. So how am I supposed to know the the right way from the wrong way when the wrong way seems like the right way and when the right way seems like the wrong way? This sounds pretty difficult now. See, you've been knocking Adam and Eve all your life. Thanks a lot, Adam. Thanks a lot, Eve. I mean, anybody could know, don't eat of the fruit. Anybody can make that decision, but you just had to go and eat of it. You just had to eat of the fruit. And now we're all in this mess down here because of what you did. Thanks a lot. And now we find out it might not have been as easy as we thought. 
Maybe the devil, maybe the the enemy was a little trickier in his scheme, right? Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we've got to be careful for the scheming devices. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us you've got to be aware of the devil's scheming attacks. Why? Because he's putting a plan together. He's not all that it seems. The Bible says that he roams around like or as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he's sneaky in his approach. We've got to be a church in these last days that are able to discern, able to determine what is right and what is wrong. Isaiah actually even gives us a a, a, a command here isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 woe to those who call evil good and good evil do we not see that happening in our world today who put darkness for light and light for darkness do we not see that happening in our world today the church is being knocked today for standing for truth and if you're not careful you'll seem very much like you're the enemy rather than you're on the right side It'll begin to wear on you. You watch enough news and you listen enough to how the world can make the wrong thing seem right. Like how how dare we discriminate and how dare we tell individuals uh, that have uh, gender confusion. uh, how, How dare we discriminate them from using a certain bathroom? I mean, we are raising questions today. And in this culture that we've never had to ask before. Just have a men's room and a women's room and just pick one and go to it based upon your birth certificate or science. Isn't it amazing that these individuals want to want to throw out science when it comes to determining uh, what gender you are, but yet they want to try to use science to disprove God. Why? Because we're caught up in trying to make the wrong thing the right thing and the right thing the wrong thing. It's the world we're living in. How, how dare, woe to those who call uh, good, good, uh, evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Could it be possible in these last days that we cannot tell the difference between two things that directly oppose each other? That are blatantly contrary to one another. Light and darkness. It should be easy to identify that. Good and evil should be easy to identify that. Bitter and sweet should be easy to identify that. But could it be in these last days that we don't know the difference and we're accepting the opposite choice in our lives, in our world? So we went over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And the writer of Hebrews speaks to this degree. He starts off in verse 11. He says this, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. You know, there's a passage over, um, I cannot recall off the top of my head where it's found. I want to say it's found in Timothy. Paul was writing to Timothy and he said uh, that there would be many false prophets arise. And he even said this, that in those last days uh, that people, individuals, would draw teachers to themselves. Listen to this now. They would, they would acquire and accumulate teachers unto themselves because they have itching ears in the last days. Guys, in the last days, we are not going to have a shortage of teachers. They will be in a great supply. And not only in great supply, but even in greater demand. False prophets. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about in the church. He says, of whom we have much to say. We're never going to have a shortage of God's revelation in our lives. The, the, the detriment and the decay that we're going to continue to see in the world and, and, and the, the, the mess that is continuing to grow around us is not going to be because there's a lack of churches. 
Are you understanding this? We're grabbing a hold that it's not the lack of, of, of sites as this one where people are receiving the word on Sunday mornings or the, the, the Bible is being preached and taught. And people are going to even accumulate. They're going to go looking for more teaching and looking for more preaching. And, 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 and maybe I'll listen to this guy. Maybe I'll, I'll listen to this individual. And, maybe and, and we have this available to us more so than ever because you can sit in this service today and you can have four other preachers you can want to listen to throughout the rest of this week. Called the Internet. Called podcasts. Called Television. We're not going to have a shortage in the last days. We're going to have too much in the last days. I mean, we're we're seeing it now. There, There is too much information available to us. The, the amount of information, the amount of resource that is available to our culture today. I'm a big I'm a big history guy. My wife and I we just got back from New York City. We were in the Big Apple all week. Got out just before it got freezing cold. It was cold, but not as cold as it is now. Got out just in time. And uh, she's been to New York before, but this trip probably wasn't as exciting for her as her other trips uh, because she likes to shop. And and try out all the different, you know, foodie places. And really, I just wanted the history. I just wanted to know about this building and this place and this street. And so we were taking these tours. We went to uh, the Museum of uh, Natural History there. And and I'm just eating it up. And I know that she's just like, when are we getting out of here? How much longer? I'm hungry. Um, But but I I just love the history. And it just... It just bogs my mind the stuff that was happening in this city in the 1800s, early 1900s, with not near as much as we have at our disposal today. These buildings that were were built and 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 the thought that went into every little detail of this entire city, this entire landscape just blew my mind. But they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have, uh, you know, uh, any knowledge or any resource you want. They didn't have Google. I mean, we, we took a tour of the Rockefeller Center and learned all about John D. Rockefeller and, 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 and how he, you know, the, the, that ultimately they consider him the, the richest person that has the most wealthiest person that has ever lived on the face of the planet. Now, we know that Solomon can't be touched. But next to Solomon, this is probably the guy. They said today, just based on inflation today, the guy would be worth over $350 billion. The richest person in the world today, Bill Gates, is only worth around 93 only. Oh, just a mere $93 billion. No Google. No Twitter. No World Wide Web. Is the information overload that we have available to us, is it helping us or is it destroying us? Because I believe that everything can either be used as a tool or a weapon. Everything. A gun can be used as a tool or a weapon. Medication can be used as a tool or a weapon. Facebook can be used as a tool or a weapon. What do we need in these days? We need discernment. We need to properly discern. Is this a tool in my life? Or is this a weapon that I'm using against myself in my life? We're not going to have a lack of information, guys. We're not going to have a lack of details. We're not going to have a lack of, of teachers and churches. I mean, you, you, you look in this town alone. There's plenty of them. There's plenty. Of them. You could be anywhere in a house of God this morning. I'm singing praise and worship songs. Probably some worship. Little 
a little more tighter than ours, a little bit better than ours, a little more talented individuals maybe. But we've got anointed individuals. We've got the anointing on this stage. The anointing always trumps talent. It'll always trump. You won't be on this stage because you can play an instrument. You'll be on this stage when you learn to worship God. And if you can't worship God, you don't belong up here. Period. It's too big of a price to pay. It's too big of a cost to just sit up here and strum some strings and sing some, sing some notes and, uh, and, and bang out some drums. It takes a lot more than that to lead people into the presence of God. If we want to entertain, sure, we can put anybody up here. But if you want to worship God and you want to bring people directly into the throne room of God and set their hearts in a position that allows them to now receive the word. You realize you receive two messages every morning, right? You realize that this is a buy one, get one free deal. You come in here to get one message and you get two because that's a message up there. Some of you may even notice that every now and then we change the words to songs. Why? Because if it doesn't align with the word of God, we're not singing it. Just like if it doesn't align with the word of God, I'm not preaching it. Period. There's value there. That's what you get at Anchor Faith Church. I can't say that for every place. And I'm not knocking every place because I've got some great friends, great pastors, and I know of great churches in this town. If I wasn't going to this church, I might go to that church. <laughs> but in the last days, we're not going to have a shortage. It's, you're not going to, oh, you know, where's all the churches going? Where, this one's, now, there's churches closing down, and that's for other reasons. That's another conversation. But there's also a lot of them being started. And there's a lot going up. And if you want teaching, you can get teaching. If you want preaching, you can get preaching. If you don't like the way I preach, there's somebody here that can, that can preach the way you would like them to preach. There's somebody on the internet that, 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 that's for you personally. But that's why we ask people to come into our church not with a, a get mentality, but a give mentality. I'll just go ahead and help you out right now. There is no perfect church. There is no church that's going to do everything your way. And there's people that are sitting in these seats and there are people that have paid the price for you to be able to sit in a seat today that sat through some stuff that said, maybe that, that's not really me. Anybody here in this room right now that sat through when we didn't have a praise and worship team? Are you in here? Yeah, you're throwing your hands up. You're praising God. You're like, yes, Jesus. Thank God for the praise and worship team. Because there's individuals in this room that sat through when we had a computer track playing. Paid the price so that you could come in here now. Because if they didn't come and they didn't give to help us keep the doors open and they didn't uh, share the word of the church and say, hey, you need to come check out my church. Then there wouldn't be a church for you today. But in these last days, we're going to have an overabundance. In these last days, we're going to have. Too much. Too much. I've always said that confusion is the result of too many voices. I believe we have a more confused culture today than we've ever had. He says, of whom I have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That, that's the worst that's the worst way to come to church. That's the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing you could do in a church service is say, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, he preached on this last week. And I literally did preach on this last week. For anyone that was <laughs> here last Sunday, I literally preached what I'm preaching now. And some of you may not have caught that verse, dull of hearing. So we're going to find out real quick. Some of y'all are waiting to get to the good stuff. Okay, let them get past the recap. No, the worst thing we could ever do is say, oh, that sounds familiar. Familiarity is so dangerous. So dangerous. May we not become familiar. 
verse 12 goes on to say, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be able to teach others. You ought to. Expectation. This is a responsibility of the believer. You ought to. And for though by this time, the writer even says there's a time frame here that I ought to be able to expect this. You've been coming to church long enough now. You've been hearing this word long enough. You, you ought to be able to share. You ought to be able to teach. You ought to be able to communicate. You ought to be able to now pass on what you have received yourself. You need someone to teach you again. So all that stuff you got dull of hearing with, you need to go back and hear it again, is what he's saying. The first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now let's look at verse 14. This was the point right here but solid food belongs to those who are of full age or mature as believers that is those who by reason of use some translations instead of saying reason of use use the word practice for those who have practiced have their senses exercised that word exercised means to train, means to train. They have trained themselves to what? Discern both good and evil. You mean, I, you mean I need to train myself to determine right from wrong? You mean I, that, you mean I have to practice this? It doesn't just come automatically that I'm able to identify good and evil, right and wrong, truth and lies. Really? I have to practice this. I have to be exercised and I have to train myself and develop an ability within myself where I can now tell the difference between good and evil. And this is what we're identifying. This is what this is the journey we're taking because a church that cannot discern is a church that will be deceived in the last days. The opposite of discernment is deception. And deception means believing what is false to be true and believing what is true to be false. Adam and Eve ate of that fruit not because they blatantly made a decision to sin. Not because they blatantly made a decision, I don't want to listen to God anymore. I want to listen to the devil. No, they made that decision in the garden to eat of that fruit because they were tricked. Because they were deceived. Because they did not practice, exercise, train themselves to discern good and evil. Something that seems so obvious, something that seems so blatant, something that seems easy to identify. Hebrews is telling us that we have to train ourselves. We have to train ourselves. John chapter 18. We have to develop this within ourselves to discern good and evil. Ultimately, guys, what we're trying to determine is that there is a good, and then there is a good that only comes from God. And that's the difference. That's the difference. What happens when good and evil look the same? What happens when the truth and the lie sound the same, resemble one another very closely? What happens? When right and wrong are confused. Light and darkness. I mean, I know my Bible tells me that light cannot abide with darkness. I mean, it's a pretty simple fact if you just look at it naturally. 
turn the lights off and turn on even the smallest light in the midst of darkness and you'll see it. You don't even need that much light to identify light from darkness. And there is no such thing as darkness overtaking light. It's impossible. You can't make it dark enough. Right? Oh, if we could just get it darker in here. No, you have to get rid of the light. Darkness will never overtake light. Can't happen. But what happens if the devil has figured out, okay, the lie and the truth, I'll never be able to align them. But maybe I can make them look the same. What happens is... The devil sees light and darkness and says, okay, I I can't get the two to join together, but maybe I can, maybe I can disturb their ability to determine which one's light and which one's dark. Maybe I can inhibit their ability to process. And the ability to to discern is the ability to see uh, what we would call the spirit of a thing. You know what I mean by that? No? Okay. When I say the spirit of the thing, I mean the thing that you cannot see. Everybody in this room right now, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. You are a three-part being. I told you we're going to teach, and we're going to teach. You are a spirit. That means the real you we cannot see. The spirit is an unseen realm. You cannot see it. You cannot contact it. Physically. So there's a real you that we cannot see. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you live in a body, which is what we all see. So when I say the spirit of a thing, I mean not just what it looks like on the outside, but now we're talking about motives, and we're talking about intentions, and, and, and we're talking about the, the spirit behind the thing. See, we, we're in a world today where we take everything for face value. We take everything for what it looks like on the outside. And we don't question the motive. We don't question their intention. We don't question uh, the source where it really came from. We, you know, I mean, just go uh, check out at Publix and read the magazine articles. The world is nationally inquiring on why Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie broke up. The world is nationally inquiring on whether or not the government knew about the Benghazi attacks prior to the Benghazi attacks. The world wants to know. But whatever you put on the face of that magazine article is what we take face value. Whatever we see on CNN, whatever Fox News tells us, whatever NBC says, we just, man, can you, can you believe that? Can you believe that? People magazine. When I was growing up, there was a, a show, I don't know if it's even on anymore, called Inside Edition. The Inside Edition. It wasn't inside nothing. That was the outside of everything. You, you don't, you're, not, you're not digging down. You're not trying to find the source. Do, do I know? No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What's the truth? I don't know. Because we have made a grave mistake in our world today by making truth a piece of information. And I just got done telling you that truth, or or I just got done saying that information will be in abundance. And we think truth is merely info. If I can just get enough info, that's why we want to be in the know, right? Want to be in the know. I got to know. Well, are you wanting to know something? Or are you wanting to know what Jesus alluded to in John chapter 18? If we're going to learn to properly discern, we have to be able to properly identify truth. Um, today, I'm just going to give you, I, I, I really don't have an outline for all of this, so you're just going to have to go with me. But I guess today would be point number one of how to properly discern in these last days. 
How can we train ourselves, exercise in our ability and practice discernment? Step number one. Here we go. John chapter 18, verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? He's wanting to know information. Everybody is saying this guy says he's the king of the Jews. Jesus is on trial. He's been handed over for treason. He's been, he's been handed over. And they want to kill him. They want to destroy his life because he's walking around calling himself a king. So Pilate says, all right, man, here we are. I have the ability to save you or to put you to death. Are you the king of the Jews? And so we're ending a conversation in verse 34. Verse 34, Jesus answered him. He said, are you speaking for yourself? Or did did others tell you this concerning me? See, Jesus is trying to get to the bottom of it. He, see, we're not hearing this conversation, are we? We're reading it. So I don't know if Pilate, without hearing his tone and without seeing his facial expressions, is is really wanting to know if Jesus is the king. Maybe Pilate's saying, man, I I, I want to know. If you're the king of the Jews, I want to know. Or maybe he's saying, are you the king of the Jews? Come on. You say, no, we end this thing, I send you back home. You're just a lunatic. You're a crazy person. No need to die for that. We'll kill you. There's no reason to kill you. You're just crazy. See, I, 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 can, I can say a statement. <clears throat> I can say a statement to my wife and say, Ashley, I love you. Or I can say, I love you. <laughs> right? Which one do you think is sincere? Which one do you think is... I really mean those words. But yet, if you write it down, and Pastor Mark said to his wife, I love you. You don't know. You don't know. Guys, I'm trying to help us get beyond. You want to discern? You got to get past the surface. You want to discern properly? You got to get below. You got to get to motives. You got to get to intentions. So are you asking this for yourself? Are you really wanting to know? Or are you saying it because you heard somebody else say it? Is this just hearsay? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And he answers, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, if somebody could get me a bottle of water, that'd be awesome. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But... Now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? He's asking. And Jesus answers, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should, here we go, bear witness to the truth. He's saying the reason I'm here is so that you can know the difference between what is true And what is false? Thank you. So you can know the difference between what is a lie and what is reality. You need to know the difference. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, anybody can hear his voice, right? He's not talking about hear his voice like literally hear me talking. He's saying hear my voice and know what I'm speaking. Because they're connected to what I'm connected to. What's he connected to? John chapter 1 verse 14. John chapter 1 verse 14. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that has come to bear witness to truth? Jesus answered my king. John 1 verse 14. Do we have that in there? John 1 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and 
truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. John chapter 14, verse 6 makes it real clear. John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here's where we mess up, guys. Here's where we miss it. We think truth is something when truth is someone. Truth is not merely information. Why can't we discern in these last days? Why are we picking off fruit that is evil and calling it good and looking at it and say, well, it's good and it's pleasant and it's desirable. It's attractive. I mean, I, 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 I wanted it. It looks the same as all the other fruit. But it's not about the fruit on the tree. It's about the root in the ground, because what is in the root is what bears the fruit. Right. It's what's in the ground that determines what this thing is going to produce in my life. Not what's on the tree. Not what it looks like on the outside. It looks just like that tree and that tree. And if he wouldn't forbid that one and this one looks just like that one, then why would he forbid this one? It's because of where it's sourced. It's sourced in something different. It's rooted in something different. It's what you can't see. So we have a problem discerning because there's no relationship. Why do we disregard truth today? Because there's no relationship to it. It's easy to look truth in the face and say, that's not truth. When you're not connected to it in a relationship. But when you have a relationship with truth, who's the truth? Jesus. Jesus. we don't know Jesus, we don't know truth. You can't know something until you know someone. And this is the thing, guys. God did not ever design us to live off of information alone. He designed us to live off of revelation. And revelation only comes with relationship. Only. You can't receive revelation without having a relationship to it. It has to be revealed to you, and you have to be connected to the source from which the revelation is coming from. The reason why we just gulp down information is because we're not connected to the source it's coming from. We never ask, we, It's not a question we ask anymore. And the Bible tells us, the Bible warns us, many will fall away from the faith. Will fall away from the faith. Why? Because there wasn't a relationship in the first place. There is a day, we're living in it now, where truth will no longer be desired. We're seeing it now. We will accept information. We will allow ourselves to be in the know, even while compromising if it's true or not. See, that's why I don't have a problem when the Bible says you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You know why I don't have a problem with that? Even though most people be like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not a teacher. That, that is not me. That's not literally saying get up here and hold a microphone and teach. But you know why people have a hard time with the fact that it's now your responsibility to share the gospel and it's not all up to the pastor? Hello. Fivefold ministry is here to equip the saints for the work of ministry. There should be preaching going on on Monday. And there should be preaching going on on Tuesday. There should be preaching going on on Wednesday. There should be preaching going on on Thursday. There should be preaching going on on Friday. There should be preaching going on on Saturday. Not just Sunday morning. And I don't have a problem with that because we share information all the time. What is it? The, one of the first things, one of the first desires you have when you learn something is to now go and tell it. <laughs> right? Especially when someone says, don't say anything or keep this between me and you. 
It's like those words just trigger. You should have even told me. I wouldn't have told anybody. But now I'm thinking of everybody that I want to tell. And I don't even know why I would tell them that. It's not even relevant. But I just want to share what you just shared with me because you told me not to say anything. But then God says, go and share the gospel. And you're like, I can't do that. When we're told to tell something, that's when we don't do it, right? But then someone says, don't say anything. It's like, I'm not good at this. I don't keep secrets. Isn't that weird? When we come into the know, it should be an automatic response. See, that desire to want to go and share the information is actually put in you by God. Because God never designed for it to stop with you. Go look in the Old Testament. They got two generations down from Joshua before they abandoned everything that was taught them. Everything that was given to them in the wilderness. Why? Because we didn't hand it down. We didn't hand it down. What are we handing down? What are we handing down to the next generation? To the culture that follows behind us? To the lives that go beyond us? Every life you come into contact with, you are designed to make an influence for for the kingdom of God. Every life. Every life. That's our responsibility. But we have a truth dilemma. We have an inability. How could Pilate be standing right in front of truth and not recognize it? How could Pilate not recognize the truth that was standing right in front of him? Now, Jesus continues this on. In John chapter. uh, Let's go to John. You're already in John 14. Skip on down. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. So if you want to know truth, you got to get to know someone, not something. Amen. In verse 15, he says this, if you love me. Keep my commandments. He says, and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. That word another means the same as just like me. The Holy Spirit is not like second tier. He's not on the second string like Jesus was was first string. And then Jesus uh, had to leave the game. And so let's throw in our second string. Let's get the next guy in there. See if he can do. No, the Holy Spirit was the exact representation and duplication of Jesus himself. Another, the same as, just like me. Another helper. That he may what? Abide with you forever. The spirit of what? I think I got one person on that. The spirit of what? Truth. You know who I consistently see being disregarded in churches today? Not God. Well, we love to talk about God. Not Jesus. He's our friend. He's our buddy. He's our savior. He's our brother. But who is who out of these three is talked about the least? Who out of these three, you, you, you almost get a sense is being pushed out of the church in these last days. The Holy Spirit. Now, I love talking about God. But God's in heaven. I love to talk about Jesus and all that he made available for us. And he's in heaven too. And the one we talk about the least is the one that has been sent to abide with us forever. The spirit of truth that lives and resides in each one of us. And he gets no credit. And we wonder why we have such a hard time recognizing truth. Because we don't have the spirit. The under. Of truth. The spirit of truth. Not the face of truth. Not the surface truth. As we saw last week, the fake news. There's fake news. CNN didn't, didn't design fake news. They didn't make it up. The devil did way back in Genesis chapter 3. He had some fake news. 
What can I get you to grab at? What can I, what can I deceive you with? What can I be sly and scheming with? But then Jesus says, it's to your advantage. He goes on to say, he goes on to say this in uh, John chapter. Well, no, let's stay, let's stay there. John 14, verse 15. He will give you another helper. He may abide with you forever. Uh, verse 17. Verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive the spirit of truth. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. That word knows means relationship. It's the same word to know as they used in the Old Testament when a husband would know his wife intimately. Could it be that our intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit is prohibiting our ability to discern truth in these last days? It neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you can't get much closer than that. Can't get much closer than that. The spirit of truth. John 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the what? Come on now. You got to get this. The spirit of truth who proceeds From the Father proceeds. What's that? That's where it's sourced. It's not just the fruit anymore. It's now the root that is producing the fruit. The spirit of truth that proceeds from the... He is founded and he's grounded in the Father. That means he won't say anything on his own. He won't do anything on his own. If the Holy Spirit is talking, it might as well be God speaking directly to you. The Spirit of truth who proceeds proceeds from the Father, he will what? Testify. Anybody ever seen a movie? Maybe you have even had to testify on the stand for something. What do they want the most? They want eyewitness accounts. They want a source that was there directly. You didn't just hear about this. You didn't, you, you're not looking at alibis, but you're just saying, this is literally what I saw. I, he did it. He done did it. I was there. He did it. I saw it. That's the greatest source. That's the greatest source. He says he will testify of me. We go over into John Chapter 16. John chapter 16. I pointed, pointed this out before, but just to highlight once again, John 14, 15, and 16 are Jesus' last words to his disciples. Jesus' last words to his disciples. You know that when it's your last word or something that, you know, this is what I'm leaving you with, it's important stuff. We're not just shooting the breeze. We're not just talking about casual stuff anymore. We're talking about the real stuff now. I'm getting ready to leave. You need to know some stuff. Let me introduce you to somebody. Let me introduce you to the one that's taking my place. John 16, verse 12. John 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you. And isn't he still saying that today? I've got so much to share. I've got so much to get to you. I've got so much to reveal to you. Didn't, isn't that what the writer of Hebrews just said? But you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the what? Spirit of truth for the third time now. Third time. Has come. He will guide you into all truth. All of it. Not some of it. Not most of it. All of it. You can know all truth. You can know. All truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Why? Because he proceeds from the Father. 
he's connected to a different source. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 tells us, Paul's writing to the uh, writing to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says this, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Anybody here a part of the church of the living God? All right, a couple of you. All right. We're the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the. That's the church. That's you and I. What are we grounded in? What are we grounded in? Jesus, going back to John 18, he said. Anybody who is of the truth, hears my voice. First step to helping our ability in discernment, you've got to know someone, not something. It's your first key. We won't get anywhere. We won't get anywhere in our desire for truth. If you consistently compromise the source from which it comes from. You won't get anywhere in your desire for truth. Our practicing and our exercising and our training of ourselves to discern in these last days. Your discernment will be strongly uh, prohibited, impeded, if you will. If we don't have a relationship with truth. If you don't have a relationship with truth. If you just walk through this door every weekend. Just to check off a box. And just to hear a good word. And hear some good stories. And and maybe just receive a little bit of encouragement. But you don't desire to know the truth. From which I am speaking to you from today. The one who we are grounded and founded upon. You will not have a life of discernment, you will live and lead a life of deception in every category. He will deceive you in your marriage. He will deceive you in your finances. He will deceive you in your home. He will deceive you in your purpose. He will deceive you in your relationships. He will deceive you in your own physical bodies. If you don't first desire a relationship with truth. The revelation of it, not just the information of it. If you came in here this morning to be informed, you came to the wrong place and you came for the wrong reasons. But if you came in this morning to be revealed, I need some revealed truth in my life. I need the revealer. I need the healer. I need the restorer. I need the redeemer. I don't need to just know about him. I need to know him and the power of his resurrection is what Paul said. The information's not good enough for me any longer. The church that's going to last in these last days is going to be a church that's not founded and grounded in information. And all the different teachers you listen to and all the websites you visit and all the churches you've been to and all the knowledge you've accumulated. No, the church that's going to stand in these last days is the one that's going to be able to say, I don't just know something. I know someone. I know truth. I know the truth. I'll leave you with this. Salvation will not set you free. Well, that sounds crazy, Pastor Mark. What kind of crazy stuff are you? What are you talking about now? Well, Jesus said it himself. He said, and they will know the truth and the truth shall set them free. Maybe, maybe it's possible that we have saved 
Christians that are not set free because they no longer desire truth. They just desire a check on the box and information. And they go to God when they need something. But they don't live with God. It says he will abide with you forever. He will dwell with you. He will live inside of you. Why are we uh, uh, lacking the ability to acknowledge the very one that Jesus, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. It's better that I go. It's better for you. Because if I don't go, my Father can't send the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit can't come, the Spirit of truth cannot come and live inside of you. And you'll be deceived. And you'll think you have something when you don't. That's the greatest risk we run today. In our churches. That's the greatest risk we run today in our circles. That's the greatest risk we run today as believers in the kingdom of God. Is that we have accumulated knowledge. We've got access and we've got resources unlimited and untapped. Man, it can, you, can, you can listen to the word all day long if you want. I mean, it's like trying to drink water out of a fire hose. Right? To use the old term. But at the end of the day, what are we digesting? What are we taking in? What are we growing in? Is our ability to discern helped when we have so much? Or would it be better... To, to, and I've made this decision. I mean, I had I started this church knowing from the get-go, I'll keep a small circle of influences on purpose. Not because there's other people that are telling lies necessarily, but because I, I don't want to just listen to 30 different people and their influence in my life. We need discernment in these last days, and we need to keep the circle small. I would highly encourage you, don't put your most personal decisions and, 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 and the, 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 the most drastic decisions in your life on Facebook. It will not help you. It will hurt you. You're taking the weapon and you're turning it on yourself. Why? Because there's a spirit of truth. He'll show you things to come. Lord, am I supposed to take that job? Lord, am I supposed to go back to school? Lord, am I supposed to be in a relationship with this individual? Well, guess what? Jesus left and placed somebody inside of you. That has already been in your future. Who's the most qualified to help you in those decisions? The Spirit of Truth. He's already been there. He knows what the next month looks like, He knows what the next year looks like. You want a 10 year plan? Get with the Holy Spirit, He'll give you a rest of your life plan. If you just stay with him, he may not put a spotlight on the entire uh, uh, road, but he will light your path one step at a time. The steps of a righteous man are ordained of the Lord. All I need is the next step, but I need discernment. Is it this one or this one? It's not because of the lack of options that we don't move forward or we don't head in the right direction. It's the lack of discernment of which is the right option. This is what we need in these last days. Father, I thank you. We are improving our ability to discern in these last days. The culture is, is, is falling away from desiring to know truth. We just want to know information, regardless of if it's truth. We don't care about the source, but we care about the source. We care about where it comes from. Are there ulterior motives? Are, are there uh, uh, other intentions? 
Maybe that person is telling us not to take that job because they have an ulterior motive. Maybe that person uh, wants to be in a relationship with us because they have different intentions. But by your spirit, you will show us and help us discern the right source, not just the fruit. Not just the fruit. May our eyes be open to the spirit and the nature of a thing. Not just what we see on the surface. May we take these words to heart and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.